Welcome, welcome, and welcome. My name is Jeffrey K. Patterson, and I am the Chief Executive Officer of the Cuyahoga Metropolitan Housing Authority in Cleveland, Ohio, and I am pleased to be the President of the Council of Large Public Housing Authorities, CLAFA. And ladies and gentlemen, it is time for us to get to the point. Today on To The Point, we're going to jump right into it. We're going to have Sonia Zaderman, who's the Executive Director of CLAFA on today. And what we're going to be talking about is partnerships and collaboration. This is an area that CLAFA has begun to really focus in in the last few years. Sonia, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Housing Is Initiative and how that is so beneficial to the housing industry? Thanks, Jeff. And it's a pleasure to join you again on To The Point. This is an area that CLAFA has invested in for over the last 10 years. Of course, we all know that having a roof over your head is critical, but not sufficient to improve life outcomes. We see this every day with subsidized and assisted households where housing stability is crucial, but they face so many other obstacles in improving their economic, educational, and health outcomes. And that brought the CLAFA board and leadership together to initiate what we call Housing Is, which is our focus on cross-sector alignment, building partnerships with health, education, and other sectors to improve the life outcomes of households that we serve. Cool. I mean, that's really cool. I mean, we do so many different things and are in so many different areas that I just think that this is just another area that we can have a lot of good and significant impact in. Sonia, tell me a little bit about how education plays a role in this. I'm very excited to talk about the education component. It was our first foundational component and housing is, and as I said, began about 10 years ago, really working with the Pacific Northwest Housing Authorities and funding that we received from the Gates Foundation. The idea was to build partnerships with school systems and education stakeholders to bring down the silos to identify where we're serving shared households and shared populations. And one first initiative was data sharing allowing housing authorities and school systems to see, one, where students were living, and two, for housing authorities to understand that for the most part and across our membership, they are housing a very significant portion of public school students. So we have a vested interest in their outcome and uh, the school system's outcome. Our first steps began with data sharing. CLAFA developed templates that were available to our housing authorities and their education partners that received respected FERPA, HIPAA, and the whole range of privacy initiatives. And this opened up a whole new, I think, perspective on how many households and children that we serve collectively. We also have a post-secondary leadership academy focusing on removing obstacles for students seeking post-secondary schooling or other kinds of training. Digital equity has been a huge component of our education work, particularly during the pandemic in increasing access to services, meaning uh, getting 
public housing developments wired, getting devices to residents and training, and using the affordable, uh, the ACP program to provide subsidies for services. Early childhood uh, education support has been another focus of our initiative. And really the role here is PHA is connector and convener. And we have now, I, I would say almost close to half the CLAFA population has some form of data sharing agreement with their school systems. And I know we'll hear more from Ed about how these play out on the local level. I would just say that, uh, again, this focus on cross-sector alignment is so critical because it allows us to use our housing resources to house households and to use the resources available in the education healthcare systems to address the needs of our residents that we're serving. Yeah, that's good to hear, Sonia. One of the things that I think the pandemic had a role in is kind of making entities come together. Do you feel like the Housing Is initiative has been strengthened by that in terms of having all of these new partnerships have to form? Absolutely, Jeff. What we see from the pandemic is the work that we laid foundations for really come uh, a proof of concept, if you will, that these partnerships and collaborations are absolutely critical in the best of times, but even more so in the worst of times. We had housing authorities across the country that were providing laptops to students, hotspots, collaborating with school systems to develop learning hubs on-site in housing authority community centers. But this notion that we're both serving these students as uh, organizations has really, I think, advanced this idea. I have one very simple anecdote, I think, that shows how powerful these partnerships can be. It's from Home Forward in Portland, Oregon. Some years back, the school system was engaging in a very robust effort to enroll all eligible students in kindergarten. When they looked back at their statistics and it was a result of their data sharing, they saw that enrollment was very low for public housing students or students living in public housing. As a result of their partnership and collaboration, the housing authority now has the highest level enrollment in kindergarten. We all know how this early childhood education is so critical for students. So that's one small, but I think big example of how we can really have impact. And I know I know you'll hear from Ed on a lot of his community partnerships, embedding a culture of aspiration and vision to improve life outcomes is uh, so essential to the housing is work. And we're, we're very proud of the work that we're doing at CLAPA and all of our CLAPA members are doing in the field. Wow, Sonia, that is tremendous. I appreciate your leadership in getting us to this point. In fact, I remember in 2002, CLAPA received pushback about this Housing Is initiative. People wondered, were we moving away from the bricks and mortar to focus on something that was not as relevant? But the vision of understanding the importance of cross-sector collaboration really has came true over the last several years. Now we wonder how we ever did our work without Housing Is and these cross-sector initiatives. We made the right decision and CLAFA is now our leader in this space. Final question. What accomplishments are you most proud of from the past 10 years on our cross-sector work? Thank you, Jeff, for asking that question. We could do a whole other podcast just on that topic. <laughs> I think what is most important beyond the specific accomplishments that are taking place every day on the local level is a very broad and I think deeper understanding that housing is central 
to whatever we're doing and improving life outcomes. That housing stability is central to improve your education, to improve your health, and that we must connect all these services if we're really going to serve people and help them up the mainstream ladder. So that's a huge lesson. We hope that that will also generate more housing investment as well. Uh, but certainly the collaboration and partnerships that we have formed will be lasting and institutional. And that is a, a critical component of what we're doing. Wow. Well, again, Sonia, thank you so much for your leadership in this area. Thank you for keeping CLAFA focused in this. And I'm looking forward to hear, hearing Ed speak a little bit later about some of the exciting things that he's doing with education as a part of this initiative. So thanks again. I appreciate you coming on today. Thanks, Jeff. Always a pleasure. Our second guest today joins us from the great city of Kansas City, Missouri, the world champion, Kansas City Chief. So congratulations on that. I want to welcome Ed Lounce, who is the executive director of the Housing Authority of Kansas City. Welcome, Ed. Good morning, Jeffrey. Don't be so modest. Go ahead and, and, <laughs> and, and laugh and be joyful of your Super Bowl win. How, how's it feeling out there in Kansas City right now? There's still a state of euphoria here. Uh, uh, we had our, our fantastic parade with somewhere between a half million and 750,000 folks wow. at the, uh, along the parade route and at the end of it. So uh, everybody's just, you know, just loving it. Well, good. Well, it's always good to communities all over to be able to celebrate some success. So congratulations to you guys. Uh, as it relates to you, you've been a champion in the housing industry for a number, of years, a number of years. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and some of your experience? Absolutely. As I said, I am the executive director for the Housing Authority of Kansas City, Missouri. I've been with the Housing Authority now for uh, 27 years and the executive director for 21 years. Um, I actually started my professional career working for an insurance company doing a half billion dollar budgets. I left that and went back to law school and then started working in government service as a deputy county attorney where I got my introduction into general services uh, aspects of it. Uh, I, uh, my wife's job was actually transferred to Kansas City and that's where I became, started out as the general counsel for the Housing Authority here in Kansas City, Missouri. Worked my way up to the deputy executive director and then eventually the executive director. And I've loved every moment of it. Well, that is great to hear. You know, one of the things that we wanted to talk a little bit today uh, about was just some of the partnerships and some of the collaborations that you all have done in Kansas City. You know, I, I think you guys are known for uh, that type of work. So why don't you tell me a little bit about a few of the partnerships that you've been able to uh, put together and some of the work that you've done in that area? Well, in addition to the, the usual partnerships, you know, with different developers and trying to maintain our public housing, a large focus of our partnerships has been on the resident services side or programs involving our residents. So I think every housing authority, particularly larger housing authorities, their mission statements, including ours, start off with you know, providing good quality housing. But the second component is how do we help our families that we serve move up and out of public housing because they now have the skills that they can be part of our total community. So we, you know, partnerships involving everything with banks on financial literacy to, you know, working with different food banks on that, our health services. But our primary focus that uh, I want to talk about today is on our educational side. Okay. 
So, you know, I like the fact that a lot of the work that you guys are doing is really trying to create an environment for residents to be able to become self-sufficient and be able to progress. Education is, is at core of all that. So why don't you talk a few minutes about a few of those educational initiatives that you've been working on? Absolutely. And as you said, you know, a lot of the families that we serve, they've been marginalized over time, uh, particularly when you look at the adult family members. A lot of them have fifth grade education or less. The education component of that is so important that if our next generation coming up, the youth moving up, want to have good quality education, we have to bring those opportunities to both the adults and the youth. So we've been coordinating with focusing a lot on reading programs, part of our our literacy and our educational programs, as opposed to the, the ordinary tutoring programs and so forth. And we have four different organizations that we've partnered with that can help spread uh, that educational opportunities throughout our public housing program. So Mm -hmm. I I can certainly go into detail as to which ones we work with, if you'd like. Well, you think I would like you maybe highlight one aspect of that that you think has just been tremendously impactful community. Well, one of the things we found and why we focused in on the reading programs is a lot of the families we work with do not have or have not had books in the home, you know, reading material. Uh, years ago, people, yeah, that was the a large part how folks became either self-educated or educated their, their kids through reading. And because we found they didn't have that material, it was all electronic aspects. We tried to focus on that uh, so that not only could you work on the educational piece, but you also worked on the ability, particularly of our youth, to dream, to realize and use their imagination because they're now using, instead of the computer in front of them, they're using the computer between their ears uh, (laughs) to to really become part of different aspects. And we did that by recognizing we need books in the home and we need the ability for the families to know, to learn to read, to read together, to read individually. And then that gives them the opportunity to take that whatever they learn, whatever genre they're reading into, you know, whether it's the schoolroom or into the workplace or just into their daily life. So now I I know we've had in a process of transitioning out of this pandemic and this pandemic has had so many different types of effects on so many different people. Talk about how the pandemic affected you all out in Kansas City and how this initiative can kind of complement some of those effects. Absolutely. I think what just like a lot of our larger cities and so forth. The school districts, as they shut down in classroom learning, everything went to remote. And it started off with the assumption that everyone has access to the internet and can learn that in that remote fashion. While we had uh, a large number of our particular family developments did have access to the internet, as in it was wired, it was brought in. We had a great partnership with Google Fiber a few years ago to do that. The families themselves did not have either the equipment or sometimes just the knowledge of how to use that service. So a large part of our focus early on in the pandemic was helping families literally connect. But we also found, just like we're seeing more and more in studies today, there was that loss of the interpersonal educational aspect. We kind of built on that of how do we bring, as we came out of the pandemic, able to get more uh, access into uh, families' homes, how do we capitalize on that personal aspect? And that's what I said, the the individual reading programs that we made start making available. It was the, the kids go to school 
But then when they come home, we continue that touch, if you will, with the families to, to really bolster the educational piece for them. And probably folks of a, of a certain age will remember this, but uh, we work with the Kansas City Libraries and we actually have the bookmobile come to our family developments <laughs> twice a week. The interesting thing is the, the folks that run the bookmobile say that coming into the public housing development is their favorite part of the week because the kids want to absorb everything. Man, those, book, those bookmobiles were always fun as a kid. There was nothing like running up to them and, and just kind of going through and seeing what you could find, whether you knew what you were looking for or you didn't know what you were looking for. It was just a, a, a fun thing to have something like that come into the community. All, not as fun as the ice cream truck, but still <laughs> fun as, as it went. Well, I, I'd say that the bookmobile is only second to the playmobile. So, there you go. <laughs> but, but but it really was one of those aspects that, you know, we, we take for granted that folks can go someplace to get to the library or get to, you know, the books that they want or, or and so forth. But the families we work with, whether it's transportation challenged or other challenge, it, it really became very important for us to bring that opportunity and make it available in our communities immediate, you know, literally right out their front door. The I think the other distinction I want to make is we did not do it. We did not provide the books. We brought in those outside partners, those other entities, so that they could create the relationship with the other organizations and not rely on the housing authority to do what everyone else in the community relies on, those other organizations. So we want to help our fam- the families we work with also take advantage of those relationships. So that's a second component of, of this. You have the immediate uh, aspect of the reading aspect, but the other is establishing a relationship with another organization. It's so exciting to hear you talk about reading. Uh, here in Cleveland, our mayor, Justin Bibb, and our uh, director of the Cleveland Public Library, Felton Thompson, Thomas, has initiated this Cleveland Reads program. And with that Cleveland Reads program, they have all kind of different elected officials and for-profit and non-profit and business leaders actually going out and talking about, you know, showing their favorite book that they're reading and just trying to heighten that awareness of it. And I think that the efforts that you have done and the work that you have led in in your community really is going to enhance that because I, I think Reading is really fundamental. It is something that has been taken for granted. And getting books in the hands of kids is probably something that is one of the most important things that we can do. So I appreciate your leadership in in this area. Thank you. I think we have a a similar program called Turn the Page KC, which was uh, initiated by our mayor here in Kansas City. So that's a citywide, but working with particular groups that they're focusing in on the neighbor on the neighborhoods and the families that we serve, as opposed to the city at large. So it really became a good focus there. But one of the other highlights, and you mentioned it, it's getting the books in the hands. Uh, one of the great partnerships we have is with Book Rich Environments, and mm-hmm. they collect. It's a combination of as more and more libraries go digital and or they just cycle through old editions and get new editions in the hardbacks. They recycle those books or just through book drives, recycle them by giving them to us and other profit organizations, but giving them to us so then we can distribute them. And it ranges from you know, just the very elementary books, first grader books, the, you know, the Dr. Seuss's and the, and the, or the, just the picture books all the way up to novels and so forth. 
But what we end up doing is we every time we have an opportunity to touch point with one of the families we serve, whether it's an annual recertification or just a question, we have books out there and say, you want to take a book with you? And it's really promoting the books. And the beauty of that is when the kids are with them, go over there and pick out a book. And just the the way their eyes light up because it's it's now it belongs to them. Uh, and that's a key aspect of it. It's it's not just the reading, but it's a sense of ownership and connectivity of that. So we're very blessed on that aspect of having that kind of relationship. You know, Ed, I'm able to see you, and, and you know, I wish our listeners could could see you as well. You're talking about the kids lighting up. I'm watching you just light <laughs> up right now as you're discussing this. So that's 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 really cool. You know, I have uh, one final question for you, and. When you tell me that you've been in an industry for 27 years, that you've been in the role of the, of the CEO for 21 years, that kind of, uh, in terms of longevity, kind of makes you the LeBron James of <laughs> the housing industry. So I, I, I CEOs don't don't score uh, 38,000 points, but you have made a significant contribution to the industry. So so tell me, what is it that that, that still keeps you in the game? What is it that still makes you want to come in every day? I, it, it is those those successes. I mean, we we very easily get bogged down in the data points and so forth and reporting aspects to HUD and all this. But what really makes it happen is when you're looking at, uh, you know, seeing the families that we work with. Every year we do what we call an annual celebration and we celebrate the accomplishments of the families that we work with, particularly in our family self-sufficiency program and other programs, home ownership and so forth. But my focus and that I enjoy doing is reminding every one of our staff, whether they're a maintenance worker, a fi- you know, somebody in the finance department, or even the custodian said, you had a part of their success. Because if it weren't for us providing them good quality, stable housing, they would not be successful. So the enjoyment is seeing those successes and then sharing that, saying that this is why we do what we do. We're not giving away anything. We're using our talents to help our fellow, you know, fellow people in our community be successful. So when they're successful, that shows we're successful. And that's the joy of it. When you can when you can take your talents and use them and see it in an everyday life aspect of how what I did made an impact. Even if it was a small impact, it made an impact. And that's what that's what lights me up. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, speak with us today, Ed. I wish you continued and much success. I wish the city of Kansas City much success. However, I do not wish the uh, (laughs) Kansas City Chiefs any more success other than the success that they had this year. (laughs) Oh, they're going to keep it going. And, you know, we we also have, you know, the Major League Soccer, both men's and women's. We also have the Royals here. We we spread it out amongst the communities. So uh, we're, we're, we're going to be working on all those aspects. Sounds good, man. Keep up the good work and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Jeffrey. Take care. All right. CLAPA is a nonprofit membership organization that works to preserve and improve public and affordable housing through advocacy, research, policy analysis, and public education. 
Our membership includes over 70 of the largest and most innovative public housing authorities across the country. Our members collectively own and manage nearly 40% of the nation's public housing stock, administer more than a quarter of the Housing Choice Voucher Program, and provide a wide array of other rental assistance. They also make vital services available to the more than 1 million low-income households they serve. Learn more about us and our membership at clpha.org or on Twitter at clpha. Through our Housing Is initiative, CLAFA is helping to build a future where housing, education, and health systems work together to improve life outcomes for low-income people. Learn more about our work to broaden and deepen cross-sector collaboration at housingis.org or on Twitter at housing underscore is.